0: Listener Production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne around town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktil, and the host of this guide to Melbourne. The first six months of this year has seen some really interesting cafe openings. I'm not sure that's something that we'd be able to say every year. And in fact, a few years ago, Broadsheet Publications Director Nick Conlon wrote a big cover story about the fact that we felt Melbourne's cafes were a little bit out of ideas when you look at our list of best cafe openings of the year so far in 2023, it could not be further from the truth. There is so much diversity. Joining me in the studio today to talk about Melbourne's best new cafes, I have got Michael Harry, Broadsheets National Editor, Audrey Payne, Melbourne Food and Drink Editor, and Nick Connellan, our Publications Director. Hi, Katja. Hey. Hello. So, Michael, I'm going to start with you. You have a bit of a theory as to why we're seeing such a a broad array and and really interesting and unexpected range of cafes opening in the city.
1: Yeah, I think you touched on it before. There was a bit of fatigue with uh, smashed avocado, chilli scram, you know, those silly Instagramable breakfasts with like fairy floss and, and what have you. And we wanted it, like more, we wanted regional specifics and, you know, we're seeing a lot more sort of Asian inspired breakfast, South American, Middle Eastern, and that sort of brought a lot more nuance uh, to the offering. Yeah, we're really seeing that kind of restaurant level rigour, I think, to, to cafes.
0: And I think that many years ago, you could say that someone like Nathan Tolman brought that to Melbourne, that restaurant level rigour and also kind of beautiful, big budget fit outs to the city. And that meant some really interesting cafes. I mean, you could honestly have said that Melbourne was leading the world in terms of its cafe culture. And then, yes, Michael, it was a little bit repetitive. Menus looked exactly the same. And now we're seeing a really nice, Nick Connellan, you described it as kind of a more sophisticated grown-up offering in the Melbourne cafe scene.
1: Yeah.
2: As Michael alluded to, I think Dessert for breakfast, I'm sure a lot of people love it, but people are also craving something a bit more grown-up and to go out and have breakfast that doesn't have fairy floss on it. And we're seeing a lot of produce-led restaurants. I think Florian really changed the game there, was kind of the the one that springs to mind. And Rat the Cafe in Thornbury is kind of another one like that with the ever-changing menu and, you know, it's about the ingredients. It's not about Instagrammable dishes.
0: That's a good segue because Florian has just opened their new cafe in South Melbourne Audrey, tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah. First, I have to fess up to being a lover of dessert for breakfast. But um, Juniper is a tiny cafe on the corner in South Melbourne and they're doing kind of like fancy sandwiches. They have a really cool dish on the menu. Which China, one of the other editors on our team, loved. It's a mushroom congee. So, I guess speaking more to that, want to branch out of, I guess, the quote unquote Melbourne brunch classics or those Aussie style scrambled eggs on toast, chili scrams, as Michael called them. Yeah. And they're just doing a slightly more sophisticated breakfast. Like it's nothing too fancy, but it just feels a little bit stepped up.
0: Michael, you said there's also a Plowman's breakfast plate that they're doing as well, which is something similar to what they do at Florian.
1: Yeah, I think are uh, having a bit of a moment. There's a few ploughman's lunches and breakfasts happening around town, but uh, there's certainly one at Juniper. And there's another one at Sunhands as well, which is sort of like a, just a, a bit of everything that they have, like meats, cheeses, maybe a little bit of boiled egg, condiments, that taps into that picky kind of nature of like, we don't want to commit. Maybe we just want to graze through yep. the day.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Sunhands Michael, Sunhands has taken up the old Ima Cafe space, which was a really, people in, in Carlton and in the north loved that. But to see Sunhands go in, which is a great new cafe on that sunny corner spot, is actually really exciting.
2: I just love the name. Doesn't it just make you feel good, like thinking about like Sunny
1: Hands, like Jazz Hands? I think it's uh, actually a local natives song. Do you know that band? No. It's like a 2010s kind of Brooklyn band. I'm pretty sure they've named their cafe after it because their lead single is Sun Hands and it's a beautiful song.
2: I see. Yeah, so Sun Hands is um, kind of has a connection to Heart Attack and Vine. So some of the people from there have come across and opened it. And it's really got that thing going, like you guys were talking about with Juniper, where it's just stepped up and then it kind of does actually run through and stay open at
0: night. So Sunhand's also one of the things that they were focused on in the space was using local creatives. Another one that focused on that in a really intense way is Quiet Time. So Quiet Time opened recently in this heritage little building. I think Quiet Time is one of the most interesting cafe openings in a long time. It's all wood clad. Uh, the owners there are also connected to, to music. So there's a little kind of radio station in there as well. Beautiful stained glass windows that have been made by a local maker. And like Sun Hands, it's actually open into, I mean, they call it a late night cafe. So you can go in all day. You can be on your computer and work and have a coffee and some beautiful pastries. But then it does flow through into nighttime. They've got a beautiful courtyard with fairy lights kind of strewn across. And they've been doing a lot of events and one-off activities so they noticed a lot of people were coming in to play chess so they started a chess club they have got local chefs who they think are really interesting creative but might not be household names coming through the kitchen as well so I thought quiet time was a, another example of just a cafe doesn't have to just be a cafe it can actually be all these different things to people plus if a cafe is a place for people to meet and a little community space I think quiet time takes that to another level
2: community is really the key there It's such a common talking point we hear at Broadsheet. We're here for the community. We just want to build a community. And I think people live that to varying degrees. Quiet Time is doing it unbelievably well. It just feels like they're really nurturing that community in Clifton Hill and bringing everyone together.
1: It's kind of like a junior, a Hope Street Radio. Super cool, like lo-fi, like everyone's drinking natural wine and it could almost be on our best bars list. We debated whether it should be called a
2: listening bar it does have that musical focus. Ultimately, we kind of decided against it because it's not really set up the same way as like Waxflower or Stellar's or those other places that we class as listening bars where you really go to sit and just listen to the music. But it it kind of has that element to it as well. So I think, yeah, it's got a lot going on.
0: Core Roasters is doing things a little bit differently to a lot of other coffee spots. Tell us about it, Nick.
2: Yeah, so I think the setup would be familiar to people. It's a big warehouse with a coffee roaster up the back in a reasonably quiet street in Brunswick East. So that's all pretty familiar. But then when you get inside, Michael Allen is the owner, owns it with his partner, Danielle Scenario. And she is doing some really interesting pastries that are influenced by her Southeast Asian heritage. So you can get kaya toast, which is that coconut jam on toast with pandan in it, and mushroom rendang pasties and really interesting things. And then on the coffee side of things, he has a shoot going for a Marzocco or a Slayer or a, any of those big name espresso machines that you see about the place. And he's got three of these little machines called Decent Espresso Machines. And these are a Silicon Valley thing. It was actually a company founded by a software developer. I mean, it's kind of a coffee geeky thing, but it's a pretty incredible machine. It can make espresso that replicates what any other machine does. So if you want to go, I want to drink an espresso that tastes like it was made on a 19... 40s Italian hand-levered machine, it can do that. Or if you want to have an espresso that tastes like it was made on the most up-to-date brand new coffee machine, it can do that as well. It can control everything, which is really unusual. And so Michael is using that really well. He's doing some pretty interesting extractions that taste a little bit different to what you'd have elsewhere. And also his long blacks are really interesting. So for people who don't drink long blacks, generally they're made by filling up the cup with hot water and then extracting the coffee on top. And if you wanted to be cynical, you could say that you're watering the coffee down. He does it where it's a much longer extraction and basically the whole cup fills up with a weaker espresso. You can actually taste the difference. It tastes a lot richer and kind of more textural. So, yeah, really interesting stuff happening there.
0: Audrey, let's go to Marley Bakes next. Which I think has been, am I exaggerating to say, one of your favourite openings of the year in any sort of format?
3: I mean, not at all. I love it. Marley Bakes has opened a window off Brunswick Street. It's next to a fabric store. It's actually technically part of the store, but they've taken over the space. And it's Patty, who is a trained pastry chef, but she came up in savory kitchens and kind of took off during COVID with these vintage-style cakes. But now, instead of doing just these custom cakes, she's kind of branching out and baking more seasonal treats. So... Patty is Thai, but a lot of her baking at the moment is really influenced by Japanese ingredients. I was talking to her. She's really into sake right now. They have this amazing matcha chiffon roll with cherries soaked in sake and then mixed in with a white chocolate cream. There's a Thai tea custard tart, which is really great. And the menu's going to change every month. So that's it's only been open for a month. So I'm really excited to see what's next.
0: Going across to West Melbourne Mm. where you can get more Asian-influenced treats, Audrey Moon Mart.
3: Yes, Korean and Japanese-inspired breakfast food. So they have like a really great pork katsu sandwich. They have really interesting drinks too. They had a pandan tea, which was something that I personally hadn't come across before. It's and such
2: a good flavor pandan. It's yeah. basically like Asian vanilla. That's you know, what it's like it's in say. everything. Yeah. It goes with everything. It tastes good in everything.
3: I remember like maybe 10 years ago now bringing a pandan chiffon cake to a party and being really crushed that everyone thought it was matcha. And now everyone's on board, so that's really exciting. But yeah, and they also have amazing condiments. Like I got this pickled green chili and anchovy condiment that my mom actually puts in everything and gochujang and yeah, just really great.
1: Super delicious. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite cafe, I would say, of the year. Yeah. Can someone remind me who's behind Moonmart? It's owned by Yoon Hee An, who's ex-Moon Park and Paperbird in
2: Sydney. I thought so. So just for Melbourne listeners, they probably wouldn't know how big those restaurants were. They were such a big deal in Sydney. One of them was known for a whole fried chicken. And it didn't it didn't come in pieces. It was like an entire chicken all battered and fried. It was the most insane thing. And yeah, they were. Super loved in Sydney, so it's pretty cool that we've lured her down here.
1: I want that chicken. I know.
0: Michael, what did you eat when you went there?
1: I had the tonkatsu set and... Two things. I had a little breakfast burger thing with char siu bacon, fried egg, cheese, and moon mart sauce. Like it was like the ultimate kind of McDonald's moment. But char siu bacon, we need yeah, more of about that to say. across the board. It Please. was like super thick cut with that like char siu flavor. Um, um, but yeah, the, the tonkatsu set was next level. Like just all the perfect little elements: the super crunchy pork schnitzel, rice, wasabi, pickles, yuzu, apple, like all in the little bits. With the miso soup, like, is there a better meal on the planet?
2: Talking about those flavors, (laughs) like yuzu as well. If Mm. I see that on a a menu, I'm just sold. (laughs) It's like, I want that. If it's in a cocktail, if it's in a salad or whatever, that citrusy, it's just beautiful. Mm.
0: Let's finish up with Disciple. Nick, tell us about this cafe.
2: I'll tell you first about the owner. So the owner of Disciple is a bloke called Marwin Shaw. And people would know him from Admiral Cheng Ho and Monk Body Dharma, where he's kind of two big ones. So he's been in the coffee industry for a long time. He's known for really careful sourcing vegan food at his cafes. He really kind of cares about that aspect of things and doing things right. He just runs really good cafes. He runs really good pocket-sized cafes. I think he just likes the controllability of a small business. He doesn't want to run a big 200-seat cafe that's cacophonous, where you have less connection with the customers. He loves being the guy there really talking to the people, making that connection. He wanted to get back to that purity of running a cafe. He'd had a couple, he'd kind of diversified a little bit and now he sold all them off and he just is focused on this. So he's got the coffee roaster there. And again, kind of like with core, I would say that Disciple Coffee tastes a little bit different to what you are used to. Melbourne coffee tends to be light roasted. It tends to have a particular flavor profile. His is a bit different. When he was in Abbotsford at Admiral Cheng Ho, that was my local, and I would go there, you know, five, six times a week. And um, so I know it very well. I love it. He's amazing. You should go and check it out.
0: What's the space like compared to those other ones, which are very warm and, and welcoming?
2: Very similar. Um, he is also pretty handy. So he built Admiral Cheng Ho himself. I don't know about Disciple, but I imagine he did. There's no slick crockery. It's all like secondhand hand mismatched cups, and crucially as well, and this is going to get some people offside, there's no milk there. It's black coffee only. I kind of jokes with some mates, like just take a little pouch of milk down in your jacket pocket, you know, just whip it out and add it, see if he gets
1: upset. So like a hip flask of milk, is that what we've come to in Melbourne now, like carrying around our own milk?
0: There are so many other places that we have got on this Best New Cafes list, including a number of honourable mentions. So if you want the full list, head to Broadsheet for Melbourne's Best New Cafes of the Year so far. Thank you very much to my Roundtable team for giving us all the insight. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore I'll be back again on Monday. Same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.